，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。China has launched a joint cruise and patrol operation in the northern and central parts of the Taiwan Strait. The drill was announced on Wednesday morning by the Fujian Maritime Safety Administration before a high-stakes meeting between President Tsai Ing-wen and U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Responding on social media, President Tsai said she had convened an emergency video conference with top security officials and the executive yuan. She assured the public that relevant units would stay on top of the situation. Also on Wednesday, the presidential office confirmed that Tsai met U.S. lawmakers last week during her New York stopover. Tsai sat down with House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. She also had breakfast with Senators Mark Kelly, Dan Sullivan, and Joni Ernst. During her meetings, Tsai expressed gratitude for U.S. support, particularly from the Biden administration. She emphasized the need for ongoing security cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. At 1 a.m. on Thursday, Taiwan time, President Tsai will meet with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and other lawmakers for bipartisan discussions in Southern California. Later in the day, the partis. Participating lawmakers will hold a press briefing to express their support for Taiwan. Analysts say the meeting is a breakthrough moment that carries extraordinary significance. Let's hear from them. Ahead of the U.S. House Speaker's meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen, scholars weighed in on its significance. Since the severing of diplomatic ties with the U.S., this is the highest-level political figure our president has met with on American soil. This is a breakthrough moment for Taiwan-U.S. relations. Nancy Pelosi followed Taiwan to the Taiwan. Following Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, this is another high point for Taiwan-U.S. relations. This event will certainly further solidify our relationship, our partnership with each other. It will be the first ever public meeting between a Taiwan president and a U.S. House. Speaker on American soil. China has lodged its objection. Last week, when Tsai was in New York, protesters were reportedly paid 200 U.S. dollars each to picket outside her hotel. New reports suggest they will be paid 400 U.S. dollars each, or 12,000 NT, to protest outside the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, where she is expected to meet McCarthy. In the past, China would mobilize protesters through its consulates in major U.S. cities. But for just 200 U.S. dollars, many people will be reluctant to participate in such a protest because the risk of being seen as spies would be too high. The U.S. would see such protesters as having a particular political agenda. China hasn't been alone in protesting Tsai's transits. The United Daily News Group's World Journal, which is distributed in California, ran a full-page ad expressing opposition to Tsai's U.S. stopovers. The ad was signed by more than 100 Taiwanese American organizations, but the list was fraudulent, according to lawmaker Wang Dingyu. He said that many of the organizations denied signing the petition, raising suspicions that the list was inflated. 
Later on, we found that some of these expats were furious to find their companies listed in the advertisement. Some are considering legal action. I don't think this was a spontaneous initiative. It's absurd to exploit the freedoms of an open society for such an action. It's highly ironic. As Taiwan-U.S. ties continue to build, China is ramping up its undermining tactics. President Tsai is already in Los Angeles ahead of her historic sit-down with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The city is home to a significant Taiwanese-American population, and it will soon be home to a one billion U.S. dollar consular building owned by the Taiwanese government. Slated to open next year, this standalone facility will replace the rented office space that Taiwan has rented for three decades. Taiwan's representative office in Los Angeles is located on the third, fifth, and seventh floors of this building. Parking is a big problem. If we have to do something here, we sometimes have to park very far away. This building is just like a regular office building, so many people don't know our representative office is here. Locals say finding a parking space or the office itself is not easy. Taiwan's representative office has rented this space for more than three decades. It pays several millions of U.S. dollars a year, a rate that's only set to get higher. In 2019, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs purchased a building 1.6 kilometers away from the current location. At a cost of more than 1 billion U.S. dollars, the price would pay for itself in 20 years. The relocation was supposed to happen in 2021, but it's been postponed due to the pandemic. Next year, Taiwan's representative office in Los Angeles will move to this location, which costs 1 billion U.S. dollars. The building has five stories, each with floor space of more than 100 ping. It's not the first time that Taiwan switched from renting to buying in the U.S. The first switch from a rental to an owned property in the U.S. was in New York. In 2003, MOFA purchased a unit in Manhattan for 1.7 billion U.S. dollars. The property's value has since doubled and has saved the ministry 100 million U.S. dollars a year in rent. The New York office is 17 stories tall and has about 100 staffers. On President Tsai Ing-wen's visits to the city, she uses the space to host UN ambassadors of Taiwan's allies, as well as members of the Taiwanese-American community. If you like braised pork, your wallet is about to feel a pinch. Restaurants serving the dish are raising their prices after wholesale pork prices surged 10% in just three days from 90.2 NT to 96 NT per kilogram. The increase is due to a decline in domestic hawk production caused by higher feed prices and a recent virus that infected piglets. In response, the Council of Agriculture is working with pork producers to expedite market delivery. It also plans to import livestock feed with an initial target of 3,000 tons. Today, we've got a master class in storing home medicine. Pharmacists say that lots of people store drugs in the wrong places and for too long time. For example, older adults may think the fridge is the best place to keep eye drops, but it can actually be the worst place. And how long can you keep a product before it goes bad? We spoke to two pharmacists to get the facts on these and other dilemmas. The patient squeezes out some eye drops. They don't want to waste the rest, so they put it in the fridge for safekeeping. But pharmacists say that's the wrong move. 
Your typical eye drops can be stored at room temperature. If you put them in the fridge and take them out again, the crystals might not be able to melt back into their original liquid state. And when you put them in your eyes, they could damage the cornea. The majority of medicines can be stored at room temperature in a cool place. Unless your doctor or pharmacist specifically tells you to put it in the fridge, it's best to avoid keeping drugs in kitchens, bathrooms, windowsills, and vehicles, as those places can cause medicines to go bad. But above all, avoid decanting a drug from one container to another. The principles of storage for medicines are avoid light, humidity, and heat. This bottle is opaque to keep the medicine away from light. Some bottles contain a desiccant, which you can see when you open it. That's helping keep the product dry. If you put a medicine like this into a medicine dispenser, it immediately starts a chemical reaction with the water particles in the air, and it starts to become sticky. Medicines that have been packaged in a pharmacy can usually not be kept for more than six months. Things that are packed up like this can generally only be kept for three to six months. If you're keeping it at normal room temperature or below, and the humidity is no higher than 60%, if after three to six months you start feeling suspicious, you can take it to a pharmacist to assess whether it has gone bad. Pharmacists say that you only need to specially dispose of packaging for controlled substances like injection solutions, antibiotics, anti-cancer drugs, or hormone supplements. Other medicines can be simply thrown away in general trash. Honghai founder Terry Goh is making a second run for Taiwan's presidency. Just hours after flying back from a U.S. tech tour, Goh held a press conference and announced that he would pursue the KMT's nomination. The tycoon apologized for quitting the party four years ago when he lost the KMT's presidential primary. At Wednesday's news conference, Goh said he was committed to serving Taiwan's people and to ensuring the survival of the Republic of China. I'm willing to give everything I've got to seeking the KMT's nomination and engaging in a gentleman's contest with Vice President Lai Qingde. Honghai founder Terry Goh is back in Taiwan after cutting short his 10-day U.S. trip. He landed at 5 in the morning and appeared at a press conference at 10 to announce his bid for the KMT's presidential nomination. I am grateful to KMT Chairman Eric Chu and KMT Vice Chairman Sean Lian for publicly recognizing me as an important asset to the party. I also want to apologize for leaving the party out of anger four years ago, causing disappointment for many people. To my friends in the KMT, I would like to offer my deepest apologies. Go bowed deeply in an apology to his supporters. He promised that this time he would not leave the party if he failed to win its nomination. If I am nominated by the KMT, I will do my best to unite all the non-green political camps. However, if Mayor Ho Yo Yi has a higher approval rating than I do and the party decides to nominate him, I will fully support the mayor. Go said he was committed to standing behind his party. He said he was also committed to the survival of the Republic of China. Although I'm a seasoned businessman, I am a novice in politics. Taiwan has the potential to become the key force in resolving the U.S.-China conflict, so long as we have an internationally respected leader who is committed to peace. I am willing to be a servant to the 23 million people of Taiwan. 
I will dedicate my life to fight for the survival and development of the Republic of China. Ahead of the 2024 elections, Go is back in politics, ready to take his second shot at the KMT nomination. A new survey from the Xinyi Foundation has found that children's movement abilities have been affected by the pandemic. After three years of disrupted education, as well as mandates to stay indoors and wear masks, many children don't have the physical skills that would normally be seen in their own age group. But experts encourage parents to be optimistic. They say kids benefit from being given lots of encouragement to get active. Parents who make movement fun can help their kids develop in their own time. Children follow their teacher in a dance routine. The moves have been specially designed by early childhood education specialists. Basic movement skills are extremely important for the future development of exercise for a child. What that means is, if parents can give children some more chance to practice when they're small and give them a bit of extra encouragement and some guidance, then the child's future movement development will be much easier. Over the last three years, children's movement capacities have dropped on average due to spending large amounts of time wearing masks or having to stay indoors. Overall mental and physical health has suffered too. Two surveys by the Xinyi Foundation looked at the movement skills of kids aged 2 to 6 from the perspective of both parents and kindergarten teachers. With a sample of more than 8,000 respondents, they found that exercise can promote children's physical capacities, as well as cognitive and emotional development. The more parents actively participate in their kids' movement and offer encouragement, the more kids' capacities improve. Early childhood educators noticed that children's physical skills have indeed deteriorated from before the pandemic to after the pandemic. There is a bit of falling behind on the development of some movement capacities, but we also want to encourage parents not to worry too much, because physical movement skills develop gradually as children get older. For parents' reference, the Foundation has compiled a comparison table of physical and movement skills organized by age. Parents are advised to adopt a variety of games and strategies to encourage kids to get active in developmentally appropriate ways, building health and strength for the future. Today we'll take you to a rice shop on Taipei's Dihua Street. Built in 1923, the shop turned 100 this year and is currently run by its fifth-generation owner. The store recently underwent a makeover and is now an award-winning retail space. In order to attract new customers, it even partnered with a costume rental shop to allow patrons to wear chipao and tour its historic facilities. Our reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the Ye family who find out how they plan to revitalize the family store while retaining its history. Well, right now we are standing in the rice milling room. Uh, this place used to be the uh, Ye Jinfa Rice Story Museum. The uh, like a rice milling uh, factory uh, since uh, 1923. At first glance, it's hard to believe this space is actually a century-old rice mill shop. In order to attract a new generation of visitors, the fifth-generation owner of the store, Ye Yanting, partnered with a costume rental shop to allow patrons to rent cheap house and tour its historic shop. 
Visitors can learn about Taiwanese rice culture and rice farming. The shop is also holding exhibitions to help visitors understand its 100-year history. So why we need those kind of uh, milling uh, machine? Uh, that we, since uh, like 1923, uh, in that time, uh, we purchased like uh, a lot of like rice from the, the middle of Taiwan and south of Taiwan, and they will use like two kinds of uh, transportation. Uh, one is like uh, uh, the railway, and another way is uh, we we through the Danzui River, the, the ship the transportation to Dadaochen. Uh, and the first process, uh, they they will do the like drying, drying all the like the rice grain. Uh, the the first first step. And the second step uh, after the dry the, the the rice grain, and uh, they will like uh, send to the rice milling shop uh, factory. Uh, that's why the uh, Yejunfa uh, Museum, the, the factory, used to do those kind of uh, business. Very happy in this place. We are offering the Yejunfa We are very happy to provide a modified Western-style chipao from the early years of the ROC. We also allow all visitors to experience the Japanese yukata experience. We want to provide the summer kimono experience because the history of Dadaocheng can be traced back to the Japanese colonial period. Many local cultural relics are preserved here. In the past, the northern section of Dihua Street was an important town for selling rice and daily necessities in Taipei. The Sunrise Ye Jingfa is a family-run rice mill that was founded by the Ye family in 1923. In addition to being a rice milling shop, it was also the residence for the owners as well as a traditional Chinese medicine store. Back then, more than 60 people lived here. The century-old rice mill shop is now run by the family's fifth-generation owner, Ye Yanting, and has been transformed into a museum. Ye says running the family business is not that easy. I think the, the difficulty is uh, like uh, we, we, how we like market uh, this, this place and how we like uh, collect those kind of uh, material, like history materials uh, from the like Ye's families, or like uh, we, we do the like uh, some of the documentation research uh, from libraries and so and the most important thing is like uh, how to run the, the museum like with uh, like break events and uh, we, we, we need to think about where the, the income that comes from so uh, right now we just cooperate with a lot of like schools and they do the educations and also we will pro uh, promote our uh, like uh, kind of like a uh, a course of uh, teach everybody how to do the like a rice uh, summer of a course. Choose uh, like uh, some kinds of uh, like uh, food materials in the uh, Dadao trends. Like uh, this one is uh, like shrimp. Hoping to tell the stories of rice milling factories in the early days of Taipei's Dadao Chen area, Ye hired designers to renovate the space in a bid to draw in visitors. The architects designed wooden trusses that can stand on their own. The team is also constantly developing new innovative products to cater to its patrons, he said. We use uh, the rice materials. Uh, we produce uh, some of the uh, like, uh, crackers, like rice crackers. Uh, for for the, the people, they, they will know how to uh, do, do for the rice crackers. We try to do the, the education. Uh, since the, the, in Dadaochen, there's a lot of like elementary schools, or there's a lot of... Uh, the school will come to this place and try to know the history of the, the rice milling uh, 
industry in the Dadao Cheng. Besides a rice tour, you can also come to the second floor and play on this self-playing piano that is 103 years old. Piano uh, is useful, uh, one of the uh, collection from the, the there's a very famous like uh, American uh, mu 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 music musician they call the Wizard of Arts. The Ye family hopes that their historical space can be preserved and reused. They also hope to tell the stories of their ancestors so that everyone can learn more about the golden age of the rice trade in Dihua Street. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. And now to the weather. Say goodbye to the sunny long weekend as a change is on the horizon. Starting Thursday, there will be a chance of rain island-wide with heavier showers and low temperatures in the north and northeast. Unfortunately, less rainfall is expected in the south, so there won't be much relief for the drought. Let's get the details from a forecaster. The front system will slowly start impacting Taiwan on Thursday. So from tomorrow to Friday, the weather will be rather unstable everywhere. If the convection is strong, there will be a chance of sudden heavy downpours. There could be strong wind gusts as well as lightning. From our current data, we predict that central and southern regions will mostly see localized brief thunderstorms, which won't bring much change to our water shortage situation. There is still a long way to go before the end of the drought. On Thursday, northern Taiwan could see highs of 27 or 28 degrees, but brace for a drop to 17 degrees on Friday and Saturday as seasonal winds pick up strength. Across the rest of Taiwan, you can expect a slight dip in temperatures, but nothing too drastic.